Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Don't be afraid to make mistakes, stumble, and fall. Because most of the time, the greatest rewards come from doing the things that scare you the most. Maybe you get everything you wished for. Maybe you get more than you could ever have imagined. Who knows where life will leave you? The road is long, and in the end, the journey is the destination. Welcome to the As Told by Nomads podcast, where you'll learn how nomads, third culture kids, entrepreneurs, and leaders all over the world embrace their global identity and use their difference to make a difference. And now, having lived on four different continents, here's your host, Tyo Roxit. Welcome everybody to another episode of As Told by Nomads. Today's episode is with a sales leadership expert called Lisa McLeod. She is a uh, phenomenal person who's done a lot of research on organizations and how to outperform the market. She's talking about her best-selling book, Selling with a Noble Purpose, and it's been described as a game-changer at global firms like Flight Center, Hootsuite, and Roche. So I'm really, really excited to have her talk about some of these concepts that she has in the book and the best way for businesses to apply that to their, um, you know, the bottom line. Welcome to the show, Lisa. Thanks. I'm delighted to be here. So why don't you tell us how you got started? What was the, you know, pre-noble purpose, <laughs> Lisa, and what led to this, uh, this expertise that you've built over the years? Well, I'm a strategy consultant, and I work with a lot of companies trying to help them improve competitive differentiation, create a compelling story for the market, emotional engagement of employees. And so years ago, it's about 10 years ago, a big pharma company hired my team and I to assess their sales team because at that time they had a bell curve on their performance like most people do, like most organizations where you've got some top performers, you've got some bottom performers, and then you've got all these people in the middle. And so what they wanted us to do was to figure out what makes the top performers 
the top performers. Mm -hmm. And so we assessed, we went out in the field, we worked with all their people. And what was interesting was we did a double blind study, meaning that we didn't know who the top performers were and who the average performers were. We just knew we weren't with any poor performers. And so we were looking at all kinds of things like their, you know, how many questions did they ask? What did they say to customers, their background? And it was all in search of that elusive, what at the time seemed like an intangible thing that separated out that top 2%. And during the study, I was near the end of it. And I was with this representative in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'd been with her for two days. And I was about to get on the plane and I asked her a question that I hadn't asked anybody else, a question that wasn't on our list. I asked her, what do you think about when you go on sales calls? What's in your head? And I will never forget her answer. She described this one particular patient, this grandmother who she said had approached her in a doctor's office one day and said, thank you. Thank you for helping my doctor get me this drug. It changed my whole life. I can get on a plane. I can go visit my grandkids. And so this sales rep in a pharmaceutical company, which tends to be a really numbers driven organization, described to me this emotional situation of thinking about this one particular patient. And she said, I think about her every day. That's my purpose. That's why I do this job. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks. And I thought, is that the magic thing we've all been looking for? And so I made a study of it. And at the end of this particular project, the pharmaceutical company asked us, they said, who do you think the top performers are? And I had gone back through all the interviews looking for this sense of purpose. And I found five people that had alluded to it. You know, a representative who said, oh, the doctor's job is harder than people think. My dad was a doctor. I just want to help the doctor. And a variety of other things that, that alluded to this level of what I now call noble purpose. And so the pharma company said, who do you think the top performers are? And I said, I think it's these five. And I was 100% right. And so that really launched me on a study. And the data holds up. It wasn't just in this one industry. People who have a noble purpose at work, who truly want to make an impact on the company's customers, outperform people who are focused on targets and quotas. And the same holds true organizationally. Organizations with a noble purpose outperform the market by over 350%. Huh. So that's such a fascinating story, and I really love that you, you dove um, deep there. As you were performing, you know, creating the concept for this noble purpose, you said there were five things you said. There were five skills? Uh, no, I said I found five people. Five people, right, that, five people. Yes. But there are some key skills. Yeah, so I'm, I'm very, very curious as to that because I'm, I'm thinking of a business who's listening to this or a person who's about to start a business and you're thinking, okay, so what are the, the things that I, I should apply? What are the, those uh, principles? What are those skills that I can work on in order to make sure that this is something that my business radiates? So the first thing you have to do as a business, and if you're a business owner listening to this and you've ever had people that you just watched and you could just tell they are going through the motions, check in the box. And we've mm -hmm. all had employees like that. Some of us may have at times been that employee. Here's how you change that. The first thing that you have to do is name and claim the noble purpose. And let me tell you what I mean by that. In most businesses, if you ask them, what's the purpose of the business, they would say to make a profit. Companies whose purpose is to make a profit are destined for mediocrity. 
And the reason is because that's an internal metrics. So what you need is what we call a noble purpose. And that is a clear statement about the impact that you have on customers. And I'll give you some examples. Uh, one of our clients he mentioned in the intro is Flight Center. They go by a number of different brands. Liberty Travel is one of the big brands in the U.S. Of 80,000 employees, global company, all centralized on one noble purpose, which is we care about delivering amazing travel experiences. So everyone in the company is lined up around that from the CEO to the greeter at one of their stores. And what that means is not just some, some slogan, but it means they have actually unpacked the behaviors to determine what care looks like. They have looked at the delivery model and said, how can we deliver better, faster, more efficiently? They have unpacked what does amazing look like to our customers. So everyone's focused on that. A few other examples. One of our customers is um, an engineering company, and they make parts for locomotives and heavy vehicles. And their noble purpose is we make transportation safer, faster, more reliable. In our company, McLeod Moore, we're a consulting firm, and our noble purpose is we help our clients drive revenue and do work that makes them proud. And so everything that we do is laser-like focused on that. So if you run a dry cleaning, you don't just do dry cleaning. You help people show up for their lives in a fresher, better way. You know, whatever it is, it, it's not just a tagline. Mm -hmm. It becomes the thing that people show up to work to do. And it's in a lot of our clients, we found it's kind of implicit, but it's really important that you make it explicit. So that is step one, name and claim your noble purpose. Name and claim your noble purpose. Okay. All right. Okay. Step two. So then the next thing you do is you need to assess your business through the lens of that purpose because that purpose helps you make decisions about what to say yes to and what to say no to. Where do you put your emphasis? Where do you not put your emphasis? So in our company, for example, our purpose is to help leaders drive revenue because we know that profitable businesses can make better decisions. And we wanted to help them do work that makes them proud because we know emotional engagement is the linchpin of happiness and success. And so we look at, are we going to do, um, pursue this line of business or this line? Well, which one would do a better job of fulfilling our purpose? The other thing you need to do if you're in sales or you have salespeople that work for you is you really, this is key. You've got to change the game on the way they approach sales. So if I go into a client meeting, my objective is not just to close the deal. My objective is to figure out the best way I can help them make more money and achieve more emotional engagement. Then I structure a deal around that. So companies that have this sense of purpose, they don't make less money, they make more because they become more valuable. And I want to be really clear on this. It's not about giving away the store. So step one, you name and claim your purpose. Then step two is you look at how you can bring that to life at every aspect of your company, the greeter, the product offering, the website. And it's not just saying that you do this thing, it's actually doing it in every one of those. So how is the greeter not just greeting people and say, hey, we're here to help your clothes be fresher, but what questions is he or she asking about what people are looking for? Do you see what I mean? Absolutely. And I, I think that's great. As I'm listening to you, it sounds like you know, Noble Purpose essentially tells the market what you stand for and why your organization exists, but you're also being like all everybody's being physical embodiments of all the, all those principles and what that purpose is. That's right. It tells the market what you stand for and why you exist. 
and it tells your employees what you expect. Because 90% of performance problems are due to unclear expectations. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how many steps are there? Because we've gone through two steps. (laughs) (laughs) And I I don't want want to give the audience a chance, obviously, to read the book. I don't want you to give everything away. But Well, let me me tell you the third thing. And then the third thing. And then for the others, make sure you catch the book. (laughs) Get the book. Get the book. Yeah. So name and claim your purpose. Infuse it in every level of your organization. And on the second step, just start where it's easy for you. I'm... We know, don't try and overhaul your whole company. Pick a place where you can get a quick win. But then the third element of this that's really critical for the leader is to share your backstory. And what I mean by that is why the purpose matters to you. Because everyone is always trying to figure out the leader, consciously and unconsciously. You know, your boss, my father used to always say, your boss is the second most important person in your life because other than your spouse, your boss has the power to make your life wonderful or miserable. So if you're the boss, that's you. And people are always trying to figure out why you're here and what you want. And so what you want to do is you want to have absolute clarity. And I'll give you two examples. One of my clients is the CEO of a big um, pharma company and they make allergy medicine. And he was just taking over as CEO. He'd been an executive in another company, but this was his first CEO role. And He had his big plan. He says, they're all going to want to know my strategy and my plan. And I said, well, they're also going to want to know your backstory. Why did you choose this company? And he said, well, it's kind of silly. And I said, well, what is it? He said, well, my wife has allergies. And, you know, we make allergy medicine here. It's not curing cancer. He said, but my wife has had to step out of a lot of events. And about a week before I had this interview, my son had an orchestra concert. My wife started sneezing and wheezing and she had to step out and she missed it. And then I went to this interview and I thought, wow, we can keep that from happening. And I said, that is that is huh. the first thing. Forget your ROI. Forget your stock charts. This is how you should open your meeting. Just as I'm telling you that, don't you like the guy? Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so as a leader, you have to tell people and be absolutely explicit. This is why this business matters to me. So for our example, our company, we exist to help leaders drive revenue. And the reason that's so important to me is I've worked for a company that went broke. And I know how horrible it is when you're not making money, when you can't make payroll. When your people are scrambling around, when it's so stressful. And so I tell people, I'm here to help you make money because I know what it's like not to. And the other element of is emotional engagement. For me, I know what it's like to fall in love with your job and to love what you do. And I want that for everybody. And so as a leader, you name and claim your purpose. You implement it as best you can, where you can in every asset of your business, and then you also tell people, this is why this purpose matters to me. And if your purpose is to help people show up professionally and look better because you're a dry cleaner, tell people. The book is called Noble Purpose, and it's by Lisa McLeod. And the reason why I love what you're saying is because it comes back to that old concept of being authentic and having that transfer from the top down and the bottom up. Uh, you know, I think I've noticed a lot of organizations as they grow – they tend to lose that. They tend to lose that. Lose that culture, and it becomes more something that was there in the beginning. But as the company began to grow, it sort of lost its way a little bit, and the effort to make sure that it trickles down to the bottom maybe is not, um, you know, is, is not become a priority anymore. So I, you know, I love that you're reminding people of that. But 
I want to take a page out of your notebook. And I want to ask you to share your backstory with the audience because I know from your background and doing some research on you, you've done quite a lot and you've worked at several organizations. But what led to consulting? Well, I can tell you that helping companies help their people find more fulfillment and emotionally engage at work is my calling. But that was not always clear to me. And I did not feel that consulting was my calling. You know, a lot of people start businesses and they tell you about the grand plan they had. I would love to say I had that, but I did not at all. So my background is I went to work for Procter & Gamble right out of school. Great company. I was in sales. I was in sales management. But one of the assignments that I had was as a sales trainer, and it was a field sales trainer. And I later found out that this was an assignment that everyone hated. And I am so happy I did not know that at the time because I loved it. <laughs> I it was great. <laughs> and it wasn't uh. Well, and I was trying to get a promotion. I had some geographic um, restrictions because I was um, married. I'm still married. So that was a good call. And so I spent more time in that job than most people do. For most people go in for a couple months, they get their promotion, they move on. But I spent like a year and a half in that job. And I found out later that people were like, oh, my God, I can't believe she did that. That was, must have been, you know, just horrible duty, hardship duty. But I loved that job because what was the most fascinating thing in the world to me was how. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The thoughts and beliefs of one person could turn into words and then they could affect the behavior of another person. And that was just the most fascinating thing to me that I'd be sitting in the car with some sales rep we practice what they were going to say. They'd go in, they'd talk to someone, and they'd have a back and forth interchange. And the next thing you know, a truckload of Folgers coffee is heading down the road for that store. And just, it seems small, but it really showed me that everything starts with the words. With the word. And there's a lot of spiritual traditions that say that. It always starts with the word and language. And so that was so interesting to me, just fascinating. And so a couple of years later, I got a call from a recruiter to go to work for this leadership and um, 
development company that did sales and leadership training. And it was a super small company. I mean, I was working for Procter and Gamble. I was on a management track and they, they called me for this company. The company they call me for is like a $5 million company, like super small. And they say, we want you to come, you know, sell, sell for us. And I thought, well, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy, but I am interested in this industry. So I'll go on the interview. And I went on the interview and the guy who later became my boss said to me, I said, well, you know, I manage this big team and I'm on my way up at Procter and Gamble. And he said to me, that's all fine and well, but here we change people's lives. So do you want to manage more people or do you want to change more lives? Hmm. And I was like, okay, sign me up. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Oh, man, wow. So, so that's how I got into this space. And I worked for that company for a couple of years and we ended up really growing the business exponentially. And I was the vice president of sales there. And then I, um, I left to start my own company again, not because I had a grand plan, but because I had an 80 hour a week travel job and I had had a baby. And so I decided that an 80-hour-a-week travel job and being the kind of parent I wanted to be were not going to work for me. So I left that company to start my own company, but they were my biggest client. So I had the experience, and I didn't realize until years later, where I did seminars for a 10-year period. And what I didn't realize until Malcolm Gladwell wrote his book about talent, um, I think it was called Outliers, what I didn't realize until he wrote that book was that I was getting in my 10,000 hours Mm. that I was coaching and training people over and over and over again so that I had gotten to the point where I could look at an interaction and very quickly spot where it was going right and wrong. And so then I started to write books and then that led to this. And so now I do have a really good plan uh, for what I want to do with the business, but it was really a very organic evolution. That's 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 uh, quite the story. One of the things that I've been reading, and it is Outliers by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, I've been studying mastery and, and understanding how to build on a certain skill set and mm-hmm. how the concept of everything you're doing is building for something that you you know that you ultimately need to, to pursue if you're brave enough to right. actually, actually season that passion. A question I have for you, because I, I, there are some detractors that say this. I'm not in that camp, but they say, well, does it really take 10,000 hours to really build that skill. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's a hack somewhere that, that I, I can cut that time to short. 10,000 hours seems like such a long time. What do you say to that? Uh, my honest answer is I don't know. Um, mm. I benefited from repeated circumstances where I had to hone my skills. Now, having said that, I already had a natural interest in that and a propensity to be good at it, hence my earlier career. And so for me, what I found was I was having to do the same thing a lot of times. And so for me to keep myself engaged, I had to look at it as a skill building thing. And and I'll tell you, I have one incident that I remember that was, I'm so grateful to these two young women who don't even know they did this for me. I was doing a seminar out of town. I had flown in late the night before. I had young kids. It was the kind of seminar that people have notebooks for, you know, where everybody gets a notebook. Right. The right. notebooks yeah. ha- hadn't arrived. We couldn't find them. I had to like be up until two in the morning. We got these, you know, got all these participant materials there. 
And I'm starting the next morning. I haven't started yet. And I'm in the ladies' room. And there's not that many people in the ladies' room because this is a good while back. And, you know, it was mostly men. So I'm in the ladies' room. And I'm just and I'm in one of the stalls. And I'm just, like, losing it. I'm like, I am so tired. I cannot believe I'm doing this stupid seminar again. I've run this seminar God knows how many times. And I'm thinking, all I have to do is get through the next two days. That's all I have to do. I could do this in my sleep. It's going to be easy. Come on, Lisa. Get it together. And these two women are washing their hands out in the restroom. And one of them says to the other, I'm so excited to be here. And the other one goes, oh, I know. I was on the wait list for a year in my company. And the other one goes, oh, I know. I had to talk my boss into it. And I'm going to go back and debrief my whole team. I heard this seminar is great. I can't wait. And I'm sitting in the restroom. And I'm just, I just think, I'm blowing it. This is like the <laughs> biggest experience of their oh, whole that's amazing. <laughs> and I'm like ready to just phone it in. I am blowing it. I'm so blowing it. And it was like a wake-up call because that for me was a click moment when I realized it may be one of a thousand for me, but this is the only one for them. Right. No, I love it. Um, I love the way you have stories for every single concert that you've gone through. Um, For those listening, once again, the book is called Leading with Noble Purpose, How to Create a Tribe of True Believers. You uh, speaking of tribe, you know I, I'm a millennial. We the millennials are the next set of global leaders, or some will argue they're already leaders right now. And um, there's a generation uh, of people that say, you know, we can't figure out how to decode millennials. And I was on your your site uh, recently, and you were talking about how to decode millennials for fun and profit. <laughs> <laughs> and ironically, you, you know, you touched on a few of the concepts, but you said the three strategies that you teach your clients. Are to name and claim a noble purpose bigger than money, uh-huh. to swap spreadsheets for stories, and then to get personal. Sometimes some of the listeners uh, that, that that are are here, are, they're not millennials, and they're always one of the number one questions I get asked is, "How? Why can I reach your generation? They seem so different from ours." What would you say to that? You know, when people ask me about the millennials, one of the things that they talk about is, "Oh my gosh, they're the special snowflake generation. They want a trophy for everything." That has not been my experience. Some of our clients are filled with millennials, like Hootsuite, who doubled their business in two years, like G Ventures, who sustained 35% uh, growth every single year. And those are companies that have harnessed the power of the millennials. And I'm sure there's some sloth-like millennials, just as there's sloth-like people in other generations. But the thing you have to understand is the through line in all the generations is Everyone wants purpose and meaning in their work, but the difference is the millennials will quit if they don't have it. And so when we see these millennials job hopping, it's because they have no emotional attachment to the work. And the millennials, you know, people talk about they were the generation that was raised with their parents telling them, oh, you're special, you're going to change the world. And actually, their parents were right. They are special. And they are going to change the world just as every generation is special and changes the world. And the the unique thing with the millennials is they are giving voice to the unspoken expectations of their parents. So people my age may have wanted more positive reinforcement at work. They may have wanted more meaning, but if they didn't get it, they just put their head down and do their job. The millennials will speak up. And so one of the things our clients have experienced is – when they implement things like 
talking about the meaning of the work, talking about the impact it has, like more positive reinforcement, that they not only attract and retain the top millennial talent, but every other generation gets better too, because that's what everyone wants. And so it's interesting. We, uh, my daughter, who is a millennial who works in my business, uh, wrote a post on LinkedIn, why millennials are dumping you. And it was an open letter to management and it became one of LinkedIn's most popular, uh, articles of the year, top 20 article. It got over a million views. It has like, you know, thousands of comments. And what's interesting, if you look at the comments, is they tend to fall into one of three camps. The people saying, oh, this is garbage. The purpose of business is profit. No one should get all these pat on the backs. Have fun working for those people. The, the other people who say, this is exactly what everyone wants at work. And then there was a small minority of people who were really smart who said, I'm a vice president at Campbell Soup. This is how we do it. Come call me. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. <laughs> those are the really smart people. <laughs> Oh, no, you know, speaking as a millennial, I I will say there, we are actually more uh, keen and and more, you know, intentional about the the types of companies we work for. And we wanted to make sure that it it aligns with our values and that there's a sense of purpose behind it and that we are heard, right? It it doesn't, we don't want it to be like one of those things where you actually have um, no no semblance of what was initially talked about doing that. So we just want that authenticity and transparency. So, it, you know, it sounds like you're affirming a lot of that. It sounds like your daughter also did that with, in a big way with, with our article, which is, which, which, <laughs> which is great. As, as we, as we get a wrap up, I want to, I want to hammer in on, on a few points here. One of the things that, you know, that, that I love about interviewing um, professionals like yourself is, is that you've seen, different levels of success across several industries. You know, you've had all these clients across all these industries, but I'm always looking for what is that unique, um, unique thing uh, that you've noticed that seems to be the trigger across all industries, whether it's the finance, whether it's tech, whether it's, it's, you know, construction, is there some thin, some leadership skills, some sales skill that you've seen is something that can translate across all the industries? Yep. Here's the thing that leaders need to know. The internal conversation becomes the external conversation. So if your internal conversation is about your customers as targets and prospects and simply a revenue source, that is how you will be perceived in the marketplace. If your internal conversation with your employees is negative, That is how they will treat your customers. If you treat your employees as a transaction, as mere assets, that is how they will treat your customers. If, on the other hand, you do what we've taught our clients to do and what a lot of them were doing just innately, if you talk about your customers as real live human beings that you want to affect in a positive way, if you treat your employees as valued partners in that, that's what will go forth to the market. That's what Roche does. That's what Hootsuite does. That's what Flight Center does. That's what Google does. That's Mm. the way Mm. these companies operate. So as a leader, look at your airtime and look at your internal conversation. The internal conversation becomes the external conversation in every company. The internal conversation becomes the external conversation in every company. Hmm. Uh Deep. That's a lot to marinate on, but that's 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 huh. it's something that uh you know once implemented it seems like it definitely definitely works. 
the last. Oh, it definitely does. I can tell you, we're do, we are hosting. I do want to tell you about something fun that we're hosting. We're yeah. hosting the Noble Purpose Institute mm-hmm. in Atlanta in November for leaders who want to learn more about this, and it's on our website. All right, all right, and your website is. Uh, if you just Google Lisa McLeod, M-C-L-E-O-D, or Google Noble Purpose, you will find us. Our website is mcleodandmore.com, but just Google Lisa and Noble Purpose, and we will pop up. And the Institute is the thing that we're so excited about now. We've got entrepreneurs from all over the country, even some different parts of the world, that are coming for a three-day intensive to learn how to implement this in their companies. Well, yeah, I mean, I can, I can definitely encourage you all to check it out because, you know, Lisa's a leading authority on sales leadership, and she's the author of four books that have gone on to be bestsellers. And if her books are anything to go by, you can only tell how successful the, con- the institute and the conference and everything's going to be because of the principles you're going to get. Um, I, can, I can only imagine what that's going to be like. Last question I always ask is, is my mission statement, and it has to do with um, – what I build my business on, my why, my noble purpose, if you will, and it, it is it is use your difference to make a difference. That that's the reason why I, I have the podcast, the media company, and everything that I do is based on on encouraging the world to to understand how to be better global leaders by using their difference to make a difference. So I always ask my guests this question: How do you use your difference to make a difference? I help people learn to love their jobs or find the job they love. I want everybody to show up excited about work. And I help companies create the kind of culture that where that happens. Boom. (laughs) Where can people find you and um, what else can they look forward to besides the Institute? So on our website, we have tons of articles and you have permission to print them, share them, do whatever you want with them. You can download an excerpt of the book. We give everything away. Um, All the articles on our site are free. There are a number of videos that are free. We also have some video courses we charge for, but 80% of our stuff is free on our site. Boom. Perfect. And it's mcleodandmore.com, the Institute. You can also find out more about that. You can find out who should attend, what you gain. And her book, um, Noble Purpose, if you search that, is is one of um, the, the top bestsellers in her category. So definitely be sure to check that. And as an entrepreneur, the only way you can grow your business is to get the right people aligned with the right goals. And Lisa is an expert that helps you do that by creating your purpose, aligning your team, and bringing forth a compelling and scalable way to do so. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it was great. Thank you. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to use your difference to make a difference, as well as for show notes, head over to www.uidmag.com. Till next time, go out and make an impact in your world. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. 
Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.